Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you all ready for the Bible? So thankful for Melanie sharing the word last week. And unfortunately, uh, we had audio problems, which (laughs) is just like crazy uh, for Melanie, how often that happens. And so I have full confidence it was a great word. Um, yeah, so anyhow. And if you, were, if you were online last week watching, we apologize. Sometimes, you know, you just have stuff that happens in technology, and we just got to work it out, and uh, we pray, you know, we lay hands on it and heal it and, you know, get it all better. All right, let's go to the Bible today. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, and it says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Would you say the word healed for me this morning? Healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So let's take a moment and pray, and we're going to get into the word today. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to worship you today, to be able to proclaim to you, God, it is well with my soul and to honor you and to glorify you. We just, we love you today, Lord. You are our hero and we're so thankful for who you are. Our hearts are open, God, for you to speak to us. Lord, instruct us today. Lead us and guide us. We trust you. We trust your word. And we trust your ability to speak to each one of us. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to share your word today. And Lord, let it create what you want it to create in us. We love you, Lord. We worship you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to um, go to John chapter 4 today. I'm going to take you back to 1 Peter in a few minutes. Um, And I want to take you to a scripture that I was thinking about it and I thought, I don't know how many times I've preached this scripture over the last 18 plus years at Victory, but it's been a handful of times. But there are some scriptures that are good enough to go back again and again and again. And the hard part about the scripture, we're going to talk about the woman at the well today uh, in John chapter 4. The hard about, part about this is like every time it needs to be like an eight-part series because there's just so many cool things in the scripture. But I am going to remain disciplined today, and I'm not going to give you an eight-part message today. I'm just going to fit three in today. No, just kidding. Um, But I want to go to John chapter 4 and um, open up by reading verses 4 through 10. And again, this is Jesus meeting the woman at the well. John chapter 4 verse 4 says this, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, 
in this scripture, this woman who was a Samaritan, a Samaritan was somebody who um, was partially Jewish or half Jewish um, from their heritage. And they were typically lived uh, north of Jerusalem. And they weren't accepted by the regular Jewish community. And the Jews just didn't associate with the, Samaritan, the Samaritans in that day. And uh, she came in the middle of the day about noon. It was the heat of the day. The weird thing about the scripture, if somebody back then was reading it, is they would go, huh, that's weird. She's coming in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, when normally the women would come together to, to get the water either early in the morning or later in the day, not in the heat of the sun. It's just practical, right? And it was kind of a social event, right? You just like hang out go and talk and, you know, talk about how amazing your husband is this week and how, you know, you wouldn't change a thing if you could. Y'all aren't feeling very humorous. Or maybe I'm not very humorous. <laughs> sure, it's one of those. Um, anyhow, that was, that was the only joke today. I'm kidding. That was not written in there. But anyhow, she, she came alone and um, this the Samaritan woman, and what, actually what it represented and pointed to was the fact that she was an outcast, um, that the other women didn't hang out with her and didn't spend time with her. And that, that um, event of going to get the water, which would have been a, a real regular event, right? It would have in some ways been a walk of shame. Um, it would have um, represented the pain of loneliness in her life going to get that water. Well, why the pain and, and why the shame? Well, we'll get to that in a few moments, but I want to take some liberty today and do a little bit of a station break and jump to a scripture in the Old Testament, and we're going to come back and finish this story together. Um, and, oh, I'm a little ahead of myself. Give me a moment. I apologize. I'm so excited to get there. Um, Jesus talking to her, by the way, was like breaking every social protocol that there was. Um, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan and they didn't associate in those days. He's a man speaking to a woman, woman in public. That was a big no-no. And he was alone talking to a woman in public. Like a Jewish man wouldn't talk to another woman who wasn't his wife or close relative in public alone. So he's like breaking all of the rules and that's why she's so clear about it. Uh, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Like what, what is going on here? And he tells her, you should have asked me for something to drink. And if you had, you would never thirst again. And of course, she bites. She's like, you know what? I, I want this water that he's offering me um, so that I don't have to keep coming back to this well. I don't want to keep coming back to this place that represents my shame and my pain. And the heat of the day is just the heat of the day. Why come? You, give me this water that you have. I'm going to bite. Now, now I'm going to take some liberty. And we're going to jump back to the Old Testament and to a scripture in Isaiah. And Isaiah, this scripture, Isaiah 53, is a very famous scripture when it comes to Old Testament scriptures. Because there are some scriptures that are, are just blatantly prophetic scriptures about the coming of Jesus. And Isaiah 53 is one of those. And it's prophesying that Jesus would come. It's prophesying that Jesus would pay for our sins. And it prophesies about the healing that he would make, make available to you and to me. So in Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says this. Surely he, talking about Jesus, took up our pain. Amen? 
he bore our suffering. Amen? Yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, when I opened today, I actually opened up with 1 Peter chapter 2, where it quotes the scripture and says, and by his wounds we are healed. You know, many times when we're talking about the cross, we appropriately talk about the sins that Jesus paid for on the cross. Amen? I know that I am thankful that he would take the punishment of my sins. You know, one of the parts of the process of the cross was the the wounds that he bore. You know, they they literally whipped Jesus with a whip that would, you know, tear apart his skin. It was It was a treacherous thing to go through. And the Old Testament prophesied about it. Not only that he would go to a cross, but that he would be wounded in this way, that he would bear these stripes. And it says that by his wounds, we are healed. Now, in verse 4, it gives us an indication about what kind of healing it's talking about. One of the words it uses in verse 4, it says, Surely he took up our pain. And when you look into that original language of Hebrew and you go, okay, what what do they mean when they say pain? It means sickness, suffering, affliction, and physical impairment. Not complicated at all. Like, Like that we have sickness and disease and things like that, and Jesus bore that upon him. Amen? Now, this is what's really cool. In that verse, it says, surely he took up our pain, our sickness. Then it goes, and bore our suffering. Now, sometimes when the Bible uses a word like pain and suffering, it's just kind of like repeating for emphasis. But sometimes it's actually broadening or bringing more into it. Do you know that word for suffering in in that original Hebrew? It means grief, emotional pain, and distress. Woe. I won't ask for a show of hands of anyone who's um, had emotional stress or Um, you know, that kind of uh, emotional pain and grief. But when I read that, and then I go down and it says, and by his wounds I am healed, it's like it begins to broaden something for me. And I begin to look at that and go, oh my word. So he took up my pain, he took up my, my sickness, my affliction, my physical impairment, but he also bore my suffering, he bore my grief, my emotional pain, and my distress. And I don't know about you, but knowing that he is provided for healing for my body, but also that he is provided for healing for my soul, my want, mind, my will, and my emotions, it makes me know that there's more available to me than maybe what I recognized. Do you hear me today? Like, like, it makes me think, like, I know, like, if somebody is sick, I know what to do. Like, I pray for them to be well. But when I think about, like, emotional pain and distress and grief and those kind of things, like, like I can pray for that to be healed as well? That gets me, like, really excited because sometimes you think, you know, well, maybe I just need to live with that. Don't get me wrong. Some things like grief, there's a going through that is part of it. But some of us, and I'm just going to be frank, some of us believe lives. Well, I will never blank. 
It'll never be gone. That pain will always be there. That thing will always, and you know, maybe it's a, a little less prevalent, but it will always be there. And I'm looking here in the Bible, I'm going, hold on, but, but he, has, he has taken up our pain and he has borne our suffering. And I'm thinking, no, I think from what I'm seeing in Scripture that he wants to heal our soul, not just our body. And that makes me go, well, how do I, how do I go about that? I mean, there's, there's the simple part of just like asking for it and just saying, God, here's my heart. Here's, here's my area of pain. I've said, you know, many times over the years, like the greatest pain that I think I ever felt in my soul was when my mom passed away. It all happened so quick. She was sick in May and we were just praying for her to be healed and to be well physically. And then she told us, you know what, I'm going to go to heaven. I've run my race. And we're like, mom. And two weeks later, she was gone. And I was just like devastated in my soul, just the pain. But in the process of the pain and the process of that grief, knowing that I could bring it to Jesus, that I didn't have to just lump it, that I could actually bring it to him. And he wasn't going to turn me away and go, golly day, would you just grow up and get over it? But that he was actually a place that I could go with what was going on in my soul, whether it be confusion, whether it be grief, whatever kind of pain that was going on there, that God was a safe place for that because he took up my pain and because he bore my suffering. One of the really cool places in Scripture is where you know, Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead. We preached about that over the summer. And, and there, it says that Jesus teared up. In, in your Bible, it says he wept. And the, the, the wild thing about John is a lot of times it'll say something and the people don't get what's going on. And in that Scripture, it's, it says that Jesus wept and they go, oh, how he loved them. And it was actually just another occurrence of them not realizing what was going on. He didn't tear up because he was so sad that John was dead. He was about to raise John from the dead. He was, it was those tears of frustration. You ever get so frustrated, so angry of what's going on that tears come to your eyes, so passionate about something? He was so passionate about the pain that, that um, Lazarus' death was causing that it's out of frustration he's going there and he's going to call Lazarus to life. It encourages me so much to know that it's not just physical, but the soul as well. And it correlates with God's nature so much that he would make provision for the whole person. You all ready to jump back into John chapter 4? So we go back to John chapter 4 in verse 15. And I told you, the Samaritan woman, she hears about this water. She's never going to have to thirst again. She's like, sign me up. You don't have to tell me twice. And she says in verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. It was actually a pretty loaded sentence. And keep coming here to draw this water. And he says to her, in verse 16, go, call your husband and come back. Man, this, this conversation gets super intense, super quick. She goes, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And she's, I imagine, you know, like in 3D, she's going, like, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. We were just having a nice conversation about agua, you know. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim to have a place where we must worship in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For the Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, he, he, the conversation takes like some pretty fast turns. He's like... Give me this water. Go get your husband. Uh, I ain't married. You're right. You got five husbands and you're with a man who's not your husband. She's like, I can see that you're a prophet. (laughs) So then she goes all spiritual. Well, you know, you're a Jew and you say we have to worship there and our ancestors say worship here. I mean, we're going to get all spiritual here. Let's talk about spiritual things. And Jesus says, he turns the conversation and he says, listen, true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and truth. When he said he had water for her, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I got the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you will never thirst again because you will have the Holy Spirit in your life. She's not understanding that part, which is very understandable. We would not have understood it either. And so she's going along with this conversation and he brings it back to the Spirit. Those who worship in spirit and in truth. What's fascinating is the way that Jesus led this conversation. Did Jesus bring up the man that she's living with, and the five husbands that she had had to shame her. I mean, we know enough about Jesus that it's not that Jesus is going to hold back the truth or pull any punches or anything like that, but we know enough about his nature that that's probably not what was going on. The reality was she already had shame, all the boxes checked off. Just the fact that she was there alone at noon getting water with no friends Shame was already taken. So he's not trying to heap onto her. She's got that covered. So why in the world is Jesus having this conversation with her? Because Jesus is trying to bring her life, a new life. And Jesus had to start with where she was right now. If you will, Jesus went there. He went there, not to shame her, not to disgrace her, but he went there to liberate her. He went there with an offer to bring her out of what she was involved with. And the thing that I love about this is Jesus is not afraid of the truth. He's not afraid of where she is. Yeah, most of us, you know, if we're there, we're like, oh, tell me about your family. You know, we, you know, you just kind of like, we're, we're kind of cozying along here, you know, like, like take it slow. But Jesus is like, they're coming back with lunch soon. We're going to go right to this. Saving her meant going there. Now, y'all, I want you to catch this this morning. Saving her meant getting into her mess. 
and going there. Not going there to shame her. Um, it, it's not just about the facts of five husbands and, 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 and the person you're with is not a husband, your husband. It's the heart of the matter. It's the story behind how she got to that well that day. It's that you've had five husbands because there's a need in your soul. You've had five husbands because you've probably made some pretty poor choices. You've had five husbands probably because you felt powerless in some of those places. You've had five husbands because of some things that have been done to you, some choices that you've made, and you need to be healed. You can read this scripture and get it all wrong. You can read this scripture with an aha. Called her out. It's my Jesus. He put his sheriff badge on and he just went after that little. That's not, that's not our Jesus. He will tell you the truth. Tell you what you need to do. Be truthful about what's going on in your life and then say, your move. His going there was because he loved her, not because he was going to shame her. She already had shame. She already had disgrace. She probably didn't need anybody to tell her that time, by the way, you're doing it wrong. I think that was obvious at that point. And yet Jesus didn't hold back and act like nothing's happening. So how's life? Oh, good. What's wrong with you? Like, it's really kind of a beautiful scenario to watch this unfold as the author of life is sitting there having this conversation and to offer her life he had to talk about the truth and i think that the the healing that he wanted to bring to her was healing to her soul surely he took up our pain and surely he bore our suffering our grief our emotional pain our distress i don't know where, we don't get a lot of information about what's gone on with this lady's life. But I pastored for a few days now, and I'll guarantee you she's done some things wrong and some things have been done wrong to her and that it's all a mess. That it's just all a mess. And yet Jesus just leaps in with both feet. I mean, in like 20 seconds, we're talking about the fact that she's had five husbands and is living with a guy. And... I love that about Jesus. He went there. He was willing to, to go there. All right, are y'all ready? Y'all, this is all fun while we're talking about somebody else. <laughs> y'all are ready? Okay, heart's still open. How about you? What's your story? Is there a conversation with the Lord that you're avoiding happening? Is there a a pain that you're living with, a distress that you're living with? Is there a situation? Thank you, Lord. Um, (laughs) Y'all are like, (sighs) for those of you online, there was thunder right there. (laughs) I always find it best to just play along with the creator of the universe. Um, But like, is there something that you're avoiding having the conversation. You know, we, have, we avoid having the conversation when we don't believe something can change. We live with it 
when we think we have to live with it. We live with it when we don't think that there is more, right? We live with it when we think, you know, this is just my situation. And we live with it especially when we have the guilt and the shame of what we've earned, right? The regret of our own decisions and those kinds of things, you know? What I love about this is, is Jesus, he just goes right in there and what he's offering is living water. And he's saying, I've got this Holy Spirit and you see the Spirit, you will worship in spirit and in truth. And when you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, there's going to be this life that's inside of you, a life that's different than what you've lived before. You know, a God who never leaves you and who never forsakes you. Like there is hope because someone has bore your suffering and cares and knows. And here's the thing. Why do we avoid a conversation with the Lord when he already knows? If Jesus were to pull up to you at the well today, what would, he, what would the conversation be with you? be like, oh, great, we're here alone. What would be the thing that he's saying, why are you holding that back from me? Is it because you feel like it's all your fault? Is it because you feel like you're powerless just because of others? What's the reason why you wouldn't have that conversation? If he would go to a cross to pay for all the things that you have done wrong and all of the, the muck that we have created in this earth, doesn't it make sense that he would want to redeem the whole person? He doesn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to pay for your sins. I'm going to take care of some physical healing. We'll take care of the rest on the other side because you a mess. <laughs> but sometimes with our conversations with the Lord, with our transparency or lack thereof with the Lord and our, those kind of things, sometimes with our experience of it hasn't gotten better, we begin to pull back and just go, you know what? I'm just going to have to live with this. And I just want to encourage you today, would you at least have the conversation with him? That area where you just, uh, like, it's like the elephant in the room kind of thing. Like the thing that Jesus and I need to talk about. I remember, um, I was at a pastor's conference um, and I went up to greet someone and I greeted, hey, pastor, so-and-so, and it's not anybody that you know, or I wouldn't tell the story. I said, hey, so-and-so, how are you? And they looked at me, and they started to tear up, and they go, I'm drowning. And I went, oh. And I said, well, you know, you're in the right place, and God's going to meet you, and, you know, that kind of thing, encourage them. And I, when I drove home that night, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, that was the cry for help. You need to do something. And so we set up some conversations and things like that. And the very first conversation, this pastor looked at me and he said, I want you to know something. I don't do that. I said, don't do what? I don't tell people when something's wrong. He says, it's not even in my culture. Like, we just bear it. We just push through. We don't complain. We don't say what's going wrong with us. We just move forward. And he said, I did not want to say that to you that day. And I said, because that's the Holy Spirit in you. You were just in a moment and the Holy Spirit just brought something out of you that needed to be said between you and the Lord. And it wasn't about me, it was about between him and the Lord. He's there suffering and just kind of pushing through. And we've had several conversations and things like that and God is working in this person's life and it just needed to come out. It needed to be said. Jesus said in verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, given you living water. You know, we're willing to do so much for the Lord 
But I want you to know, he's willing to do something for you. And really cares about what's going on in your soul. Physical is sometimes easier because you can see it, you can feel it, you can understand it, you can Google it and diagnose it and those kind of things. And, you know, you can get all scared and everything. It's great, you know. Um, but the soul is sometimes more complicated. And, you know, um, we as a people, like, we, we get that less. We have professionals who can do great things and who, who can be a blessing in people's lives and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's harder for us to understand. But I want you to know, he understands your soul. He gets you. And he's so willing to have the conversation. And he already knows. And he said, those who worship me will worship in spirit and in truth. And he tells her, listen, I will give you water. You'll never thirst again. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I will give you the Holy Spirit, and you will have a source of life in you, in this Holy Spirit that's unlike anything else. And then later on in the same book in John chapter 14, Jesus is introducing this Holy Spirit, the counselor, the advocate, the helper, and he's willing to go there, right? In John 14, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you a helper, and he will abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. See, he came at her with truth because he's not intimidated about it. He's not intimidated by five husbands, 70 husbands. He's still the Savior. The spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him and he dwells in you and will be with you and I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Man, there's... There's such a resource in the, of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you receive Jesus into your life, when you say, Jesus, you are my one and only. Jesus, I call upon you to be my Savior. Would you forgive all my sins? I want to serve you with all of my life. And you have that born-again experience. What it's referring to, that born-again, which is also in the book of John, is this idea that you are born of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes to abide in your life and you have a new life with the Holy Spirit in you. If you've never had that moment in your life, August 21st, 2022 should be your day where you call upon Jesus and say, I want to be born again. I want your Holy Spirit in me. And if that's a decision that you are ready to make today, if you're here, I want you to come and talk to me when we conclude today because I want to pray with you and rejoice with you. If you're online and you're making that decision, would you go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps because we want to reach out to you and tell you. If you're here today and you say, I have called upon the Lord, you have the counselor. Amen? Sometimes you got to consult the counselor. Funny, he's like, I don't know. He already knows. He already cares. This scripture is meant to tear down your intimidation about going difficult places in your conversation with the Lord. His, his love for you is so great. He is not intimidated by anything that you have experienced. He's not intimidated. It says that he bore, he's actually carried 
your grief. You're like, I don't, I don't know if he can understand. He's actually carried it and has provided for it. And knowing that he already cares, knowing that he already knows, should in us create this kind of transparency. And I just want to challenge you today. Is there an area where you're just kind of avoiding the conversation with the Lord? And you just need to have it with him. And I, I want to tell you today, if that's you, I just want to encourage you, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid and just be courageous. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. He might say something to you that you don't like. It normally starts with the word change. I want you to do this differently. If he tells you, I want you to do this differently, it's for you. Amen? It's for you. What I love is like, like the Lord doesn't complicate it. He doesn't go, well, you just kind of wait there. You just kind of No, he's got real solutions for you in his word, real solutions to you by, by the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you today, if there's something that you are carrying, don't be intimidated. For some of us, we have people in our lives and you've been thinking about somebody while I've been, been sharing the word. And you're like, this person is the woman at the well. They're isolated, they're alone, and I've been trying to figure out what they need and what they need is a who, it's Jesus. They, ju- they need Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, if you have that person in your life, stop giving them other solutions and tell them about Jesus. I don't mean other solutions aren't valuable, but sometimes we're like picking at the sides. And it's like, you, it's the who you need. You need Jesus in your life. I remember for years, people kept telling me, I'd go to the youth pastor when I was an atheist, because um, the only place I was allowed to go when I got in trouble was church. And so I just complained to the youth pastor about how I didn't like my parents and about how, you know, they made my life miserable and all that kind of stuff. And I'd tell him, I'd actually ask him for counsel. Will you help me? And he just kept saying, Mike, you need the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need other, tell me something. It's like, there's nothing else to tell you. You need the Lord. And then we have people in our lives where it's like, you want to help them, but it's who they need. And in our own lives, the who, man, if you're a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. He's right there. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling. He's not intimidated. And then just listen. Don't run. Just listen. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to pray for us corporately. And then I'm going to, um, when I finish praying, I'm, uh, I'd like also the our prayer team to come up. And if there's something where you're like, I just really could use somebody to pray with me today. Up in either corner, there'll be some of our prayer team that will offer to, uh, to pray with you um, however you'd like. But um, let's take a moment and let's pray corporately. Lord, I love this story, Jesus. The way that you, you treated this woman um, it's just amazing. Thank you for breaking all the rules to offer life. Thank you, God, for going after the one who everyone else had rejected. Thank you for caring for the one because, God, it convinces me that you care for me. Lord, today, for some of us, there's something that's been loosened up in us that just needs to be shared before you. 
And we need to share it with you for our own good, for our own healing. And Lord, even as we do, Lord, our confidence is in your word. You bore our suffering. Lord, those, those things in our heart, those relational things, those grief things, those, uh, those things that weigh heavy on our souls, Lord God. Lord, help us to share them in a way where, God, we can rest them on you and listen for your wisdom and your direction. God, I thank you that you are a healer. I thank you that it's part of your very nature to heal and to bring life. We trust who you are. We trust your nature. And God, I pray for those today who who have felt that there was an area that would never be able to shift, that would never get better, a pain that would never go away, a rejection that would never be healed, something, God, that would never go away. Jesus, we just rebuke that lie in your name. And we allow you to go there today. And we trust you today. God, we worship you and we honor you. Lord, it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.